What's up everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Um, you know, I've just had a lot of uh, kind of nostalgic feelings kind of come up uh, for me over this past weekend. So it's, it's kind of fun. I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about tonight on my walk. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of things I was thinking about. Maybe posting something out there that could help people if they wanted to sell their collections or... Uh, what to take into consideration when selling their collections, or perhaps uh, some really great prices of uh, pre-war things like pre-war uh, high-end players uh, seems to be doing really well right now, in spite of the fact that like a lot of modern stuff may not be. Um, but instead, I, I decided to settle on uh, just memories. You know, <laughs> I love it. I think it's kind of fun that this. Uh, hobby of ours that we are, many of us, uh, many of you out there listening, are so engrossed in that you think about this hobby, uh, you know, not 24-7 necessarily, but maybe pretty darn close to it. You know, something that uh, takes up a big chunk of your brain power, uh, which is really uh, fun, considering that I know a lot of you out there listening as well uh, had a large amount of your uh, brain power going toward uh, baseball card collecting when you're a kid and uh, it's kind of like what happened with me as well and I think uh, it's just something that's kind of gotten uh, progressively more over the years and I've uh, really enjoyed this hobby I just I love it it's kind of fun because uh, I think when you look at it from a purely financial perspective you lose sight and lose excitement on cards that are more lower end and so uh, like a lot of drugs out there I think it just uh, you're looking for that next high that next big hit so all of a sudden the base autographs no longer do it for you so then it's just the uh, uh, out of 25 or less and then you, know, you move on to only one of ones and then it has to be like a high end one of one and uh, so on and so forth and uh, and I think that really kind of happens to a lot of super collectors and those are just really kind of you know, and it for the money, yeah, but like also just like really looking for that high. And I think that's what the benefit is of uh, entering breaks for people is whenever they really, really, really get excited about hitting something huge in their spot. And, and for those of you that don't know what a break is, let me kind of break that down real quick. A break is whenever somebody, a case breaker, for example, opens a box or a case of cards and they sell spots they can sell them by team so for example let's say we have a uh, case of 2022 tops and i want the astros and the a's the astros and the a's will be uh you know say maybe uh 50 for the astros and 40 for the a's i don't know i really don't know uh, it's a completely it completely depends on what's out there or anything for sure but um then the Yankees might be $100, Angels might be uh, $80 and, or $100 or whatever. Uh, and they sell those spots until all the teams are gone. And so once those spots are gone, then the case breaker will open the case live on camera uh, on YouTube or similar. And you, as the buyer of whatever team, like so for me, for example, if I buy the A's and the Astros, every card the breaker pulls that's of the A's or the Astros goes to me. Uh, sometimes that means that there will be no A's or Astros at all. 
Sometimes it means the best cards in the entire case uh, would be of the A's and Astros, and they go to me. So uh, that's kind of how breaking works. And there's different ways of going about it, by the way. You can have uh, randomized uh, spots. So you can have, uh, you could you know go for, say, spot number 29 or whatever, and they do a randomizer, and they say, okay, uh, 29 is the Padres, for example. And uh, so... Uh, then you're the, the proud owner of all the Padres in the, in the case. So that's how that goes, but that's a huge uh, gambling thing, and I've participated in a couple of them, and uh, you know, I've done okay on them. I just don't really do it that much because I, uh, <laughs> for the same reason why I don't buy boxes or cases really, is because um, I'm mainly looking for singles. You know, that's kind of my, where I get my high, so to speak. But anyways, I'm kind of veering off way far from where I was because guess what guys like all this stuff is completely new as of the past you know 10 20 years or something like when I was a kid none of this stuff happened like there's no such thing uh, as a one of one if you bring up a one of one that term to somebody back in 1992 people would say what is that what does that mean I mean we were you know, excited about these one out of 10,000 Donner's Elite cards, you know, back then and everything, right? So, so that was a, a completely different thing. So, um, anyway, yeah, it's a, a different ballgame now for sure. But the fun thing is, is I think if you really, really, really love uh, this hobby and you have roots back decades ago, you can still look on 1989 Tops with Fondness or 91 Donner's with Fondness. And, uh, or 83 Flare even, or 78 Tops, however uh, old you may be. You know, I guess that would really kind of uh, set the parameters. But it's uh, kind of fun because I remember I was, uh, this last weekend, I was just trying to clear out a few things. Uh, I picked up at a garage sale, um, you know, a couple sets, like a set of 89 Tops and 93 Donners. And you know, I don't really have, I don't collect those really. Yeah, yeah. I'd like probably a box of 89 Tops, a sealed box, you know, but that's really kind of it. But as I was going through them, uh, I go, wow, <laughs> I just love the A9 top set. And I started going through them, and I was, you know, obviously uh, going through the all-stars. You know, there's Dave Winfield and Andre Dawson and Roger Clemens and Ozzie Smith and Ryan Sandberg and Wade Boggs and um, obviously Canseco and, um, you know, a bunch of other guys and just thinking, man... What a, what a neat little subset in 89 Tops. And then I go through the regular cards of Ricky Henderson when he's on the Yankees. And, you know, that kind of made me uh, pause and remember uh, back in 89 when I was just talking to Holly about this on our walk the other night, how I remember uh, saving up all of our Coke cans and, uh, you know, really kind of, uh, uh, you know, putting them in a big bag and then going to... Uh, uh, recycle them and, and get some money. I think I got a buck 25 out of them, buck 75, something like that. And I ended up going to the card shop and getting uh, two packs of 88 score and uh, 1989 tops traded Ricky Henderson. And I was not really completely familiar with that card because, um, you know, I was used to opening packs of 89 tops where Ricky Henderson was on the Yankees. But to have a Ricky Henderson and I tops card on the A's 
that felt special. I think I paid 75 cents for that card. Uh, and just being enamored with this feeling of, wow, I took in all of these uh, empty Coke cans and I turned them into some baseball cards. How fun, like <laughs> how neat. That's at the very beginning stages of cardboard alchemy, I think, you know, for me. <laughs> and I really, really loved it. And so anyways, I was just kept going through the cards of 89 tops. And it's, I also think it was kind of fun how, uh, uh, you know, some of these players now, they're on Facebook and I'm Facebook friends with some of these baseball players. And uh, it's kind of neat to be able to say, oh yeah, that's cool. He just commented on one of my posts, uh, you know, the other day or something. And, uh, you know, it's, so that's kind of a, kind of a fun little thing as well. Uh, but, uh, and by the way, uh, I don't know if you uh, know or not, but there's a baseball player uh, named Sam McDowell. I think he played for the Indians. I think it was the Indians and just an incredible pitcher. And I think he was on, on the cover of Sports Illustrated saying that he was like faster than Sandy Koufax or something. Um, anyways, he friended me on Facebook tonight, which is uh, kind of fun. It's always great to be able to see these former baseball players because, I mean, I, I look up to these guys. You know, I, I think it's uh, really kind of neat that social media allows us to connect. But uh, especially when the players go to you and ask uh, – you know, and follow you and ask to be your friend on, on there, which is really kind of a neat deal. Um, but then, of course, I, I keep uh, shuffling through the United Tops cards, trying hard to keep them in numerical order and realizing there's nothing really tremendously fabulous about, like, any specific card. It's just a great design. Got great cards with lots of amazing memories behind them. You know, the Greg Jeffries and Gary Sheffield. Uh, those are two cards that I just remember... Uh, loving the design and enjoying those and being excited about these two up-and-coming uh, rookies. And Greg Jeffries had a, had a pretty good career. Um, and uh, Gary Sheffield had a great career. I think he's really underrated. Um, and tainted by the steroid, you know, uh, era and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, just a couple, couple fabulous cards. And so, anyways, you know, you keep going through these cards, and uh, of course, the the one that I keep uh, landing on for me personally is uh, I think it was number five hundred, uh, which is Kinseko, of course. And I remember uh, just going through, uh, uh, and I've talked, I've told the story before, probably a handful of times, maybe even in my book, but uh, how I was excited on Saturday morning to set out for. Uh, baseball card shop to uh, get a uh, to buy a copy of uh, 1989 Tops Kinseko. I had it in my head, just a beautiful picture, excellent design. Being so excited about getting this card, and then you know, so I go in there into the shop with my dad, and the dealer says, "Oh, I'm sorry, um, I, I don't have uh, a 1989 Tops Kinseko, but I've got an 89 score." Kinseiko and then going, oh man, but I wanted the 89 tops. And he goes, well, I don't have one. I have 89 score. And he's saying, oh, but I wanted 89 tops. And then my dad kind of snapped a little bit saying, well, <laughs> he doesn't have one, boy. <laughs> you know, it's either the 89 score or nothing. And I go, oh, okay. And so that kind of snapped me into reality. And I go, okay. So I end up settling <laughs> for the 89 score Kinseiko, which, by the way, another card I really like. I, I, I really. 
I love that card. I think it's it's an incredible card as well. And you know, both of them, they're probably the circulation of these are probably in the millions. And uh, but anyways, I, I shuffled through to the 89 Tops Conseco and just stared at it for a while and you know let the memories kind of rush back on me and you know thinking this is this is neat it's fun to be able to take this card and enjoy it just like i did when i was nine you know and then remembering kind of as a collector as an adult collector now i uh, kind of getting that feel for uh for like what we try to do when it comes to recapturing our childhood. And so we want to get that card, but for a lot of us, we like the idea of something a little more special, a little more exclusive, and uh, uh, a little more valuable. Because a five cent card isn't exactly gonna, you know, make us put it in a one touch and then display it for all to see, right? So, uh, and you know, I might just do that now because I said that. <laughs> I, I've got an 89 Donner's Conseco on my wallet, so I might as well have a, have a uh, uh, displayed 89 Tops Conseco in my, in my office somewhere. Uh, <laughs> probably among the other one of ones just for fun. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you, you look at these, at these Tops cards and, and this Conseco card, and so as a collector, an adult collector, you think, how can I have like a special version of this, right? So you start thinking, um, you know, what about the Tiffany? The Tiffany version probably has, is limited to five or 10,000 copies or whatever. Significantly uh, more difficult than the base version. Why not? You know, then you also look at uh, the variations. There's variations of this card where you have this little line that runs uh, to the left or the right of his face, uh, depending upon the version of it. So those are two known variations, you know, not really that they necessarily command a premium over the other. I mean, I'm sure you'll probably have somebody that'll put it out there and, you know, some buyer will probably think it's one version's really rare and end up paying more for it, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, so there's two, two versions there. And by the way, they corrected that on the Tiffany version. But anyway, so, you know, you have those and you're like, okay, so I've got this version and this version, and this version. And then you find out there's a blank front. And then you find out there's a blank back. And then you find out there's no peachy. And then you find out that they uh, did buyback versions of the card, serial numbered, and had him sign. Uh, you know, three, four, five, six different year versions uh, for 89. And you think, wow, this is, now this is special. And what about a PSA 10? Oh, let's get a PSA 10. And so, now you're up to, you know, who knows, like 10, 15 different copies of this card, all with varying different levels of uh, desirability and rarity and value. And then you think, huh, what else is out there? So I think it's kind of, uh, you know, maybe important for some of us to step back and really think, you know what, maybe the five cent card is enough to enjoy, to, to recapture that childhood. You know, and I don't know, I, I say that I kind of feel like a hypocrite because uh, I get it completely. I want like the best copy or the rarest version of something um, as well. But, you know, and actually, truth be told, I don't even know if I have any 89 Tops Conseco aside from 
what's in the set that I, by the way, put up for sale. So <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really tend to hold on to the cards that I know that are freely, easily available at any given point in time. Um, but when I do have them come into me, I'm really happy. It's uh, it's a fun little little dopamine kick, I guess you could say, where you know you have these cards come in and. Uh, you know, cause I, I have people, uh, if I'm doing customs for them or something, or I'm doing a trade every now and then some people will think, okay, well he likes Kinseiko and they throw in some Kinseiko cards and I get him. I used to love them. You know, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll end up, uh, like there'll be some people that will want my, uh, they'll ask me for my autograph on, uh, you know, my book or even have me sign a Kinseiko card. Uh, and I have an embossment tool as my logo so i put it on the on the card and sent it to some people uh, whoever asked as well just for their collection which is kind of fun but um in any event a lot of these cards they're not really worth a whole lot but the memories like oh, <laughs> they're just amazing i mean even 89 tops itself like i remember it was like my first wax box and i remember opening up at the dinner table uh, with my uncle right there and just being so excited looking at this box of 36 unopened packs 15 cards i think it was each going man there the possibilities are endless <laughs> you know <laughs> the possibilities are absolutely endless and plus you get gum in every pack and, and I, I would love to be able to go back by the way and try gum try 1989 gum from 1989 and see uh if it was soft at all <laughs> you know because i don't remember i don't know they could have been, uh, it could have been hard as a rock back then. I don't recall. I just don't recall. But anyway, there's all kinds of different memories that are tied up in these cards. And even, uh, I think I just said this uh, story about a month ago to you, but, uh, you know, I was, we're going through, I don't know what we were talking about. Holly was in my office and I think we're cleaning or something. And, uh, I think she might have brought up, I don't remember exactly, but I think she brought up something about like a baseball player without a limb. And I said, well, you know, Jim Abbott, he didn't, uh, you know, he was missing uh, an arm. And she goes, what? How do you play? So, well, he was a pitcher. She goes, shut up. So, yep, he was a pitcher. He was a really good pitcher. He actually uh, threw a no hitter when he played for the Yankees. And she goes, that's amazing. And I said, uh, cool thing is also is, his either his first major league game or his first college game or something. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but uh, the first 10 players he uh, that batted against him tried to bunt on him uh, to reach base. And I think he got nine out of the 10 out or something. And uh, you know, she's like, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. I love hearing that. And I uh, mean, yeah, Jim Abbott, just a really real inspiration and I said you know what I actually have a pile of 1990 dollars over here every office should have a pile of loose 90 dollars by the way right so I started looking through them probably 100 of them or so and sure enough Jim Abbott was in there I knew that I had like a one in six chance right <laughs> so I go hey Holly guess what take a look and she's like oh cool she's like and she looks at me straight face she goes you should put this in a one touch and display it in your office I go <laughs> At $90, Jim Abbott, it's like worth a penny. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, you should definitely do it. That's it. He's got a great story. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so to this day, it's, uh, you know, on a stand at the top of my uh, 
top of my desk. And it's kind of funny because that one little card, piece of cardboard has so many cool stories behind it. And it's a card that's always been in circulation for the past like 30 years or whatever, 30 plus years. And I've seen it a million times. I've probably uh, gone over it a bazillion times in different collections I bought over the years. And now it's kind of just a little fun piece that uh, that's kind of attached a memory for me that my wife was so interested in this player that she asked about and had me put it in one touch and put it uh, in my office. And that, so it's kind of fun because it's not just memories that you pull into from your childhood, but memories that are being made every day now. And I think that's probably just a little bit of a sickness that I have that I really kind of collect more with my heart than with my head. Um, this obviously is a thing that I'm in it and I'm, uh, and, and really, to be frank with you, the reason why I'm back in it now, uh, or, or you know, started back back in 2006 or whatever, uh, ultimately I, I came back in for the love. I got out because I said I'm spending too much money on this, and I came back in because I knew I could make money on it. So, uh, but you know, this is not a a business or a money making thing for me, even though I do make money on it. Uh, I'm here because I love uh, the hobby that much. And I think that is what allows me to make money uh, on buying and selling cards from time to time. But anyways, and that, you know, it's kind of sad because you have a lot of con artists out there. Uh, there are people out there that will just do all kinds of uh, horrible things for a buck. And somebody literally just wrote me the other day, I think it was yesterday, um, Facebook, a messenger they're like hey tanner i bought this 93 tops finest refractor ken griffey jr uh can you tell me if this is real or not and so he sends me a picture and you know and a video of him rocking the the card back and forth in the light and it refracts fine and everything but i had to tell him unfortunately no it's not real it's uh you know a little homemade deal that somebody made to look like one but and it looked way off by the way like it refracted light but it was a uh, very poor copy and so I had to tell him I had to be the bearer of bad news for that one but that was unfortunate because nobody wants to hear that but you know thankfully he paid uh, through PayPal goods and service so he's covered but just that uh, just kind of a sad deal I uh, want to see that happen because that just goes to show you there are so many people out there that are out there just to make a buck you know I actually just showed this uh <laughs> showed this one uh, clip that I got in my email that somebody sent. And it was from the card show, from the National. The National happened this last week, I think it was. And last week or week before, I don't know, time, time kind of flies. <laughs> Rolls by real quickly for me now. But um, anyways, uh, they had a, uh, uh, it, was a, it was a case breaker. They were opening a $15,000 box of some Panini basketball product. And so they did it on camera. I think the spots were like $800 each or something. Like it was just insane and really expensive box. And so they open it up and as they open the, the lid of the box, staring back up at them, they see uh, piles of Austin Powers wax packs uh, looking back at them. And the breaker, his jaw just dropped. He didn't know what to say. Like. Somebody had clearly taken this $15,000 box and uh, replaced the good packs with $3 worth of uh, 
of packs and uh, sealed it back up. And so that's a that's a scary, scary, sad thing. You know, like <laughs> you don't. And you know, I think you've probably heard this as well in the past. Of uh, I think it was this uh, uh, YouTuber named Oh Logan Paul. I think it was. Uh, I think that was him. He's really big into Pokemon cards. And I think he paid like a million dollars for a, a you know case of rare Pokemon cards, and is like supposed to be the best ever. Uh, sealed case, authenticated and everything. And so uh, they open up on camera and it ends up being a bunch of worthless G.I. Joe cards. And uh, so, you know, fraud is rampant. Um, but as I was just telling somebody uh, earlier tonight about um, another hobby of mine, it says uh, muscle figures, the little flesh figures, uh, told them, you know, it's, it's kind of silly to think that people would even uh, try to bring fraud, commit fraud into these little this little toy hobby or whatever, you know, but uh, where there's money, fraud will follow. Absolutely will follow. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, there's a purple claw uh, that I picked up uh, for a really good deal. Uh, you know, I just sold one of those for $1,300. And, uh, you know, so this little, little muscle figure that's uh, made in like 1985 and it's uh, basically a hand and it's got, you know, it's purple. So I picked one up for a really good deal. I uh, and when it came in, I was really excited. When it came in, I uh, felt it and I go, hmm, this is a little squishy. This doesn't seem right. And so I pulled out my purple claw and I looked at it together uh, with, with my real one. And the color was different. It was softer and I put it under a black light. Mine glowed as other purple muscle figures should. And the one that I just got in didn't at all. Like it, it didn't glow at all. So unfortunately I had to return it and I was really bummed, but it uh, <laughs> goes to show you, somebody tried to scam people uh, out of, uh, you know, money. And, and, and you start thinking about this, you know, just at first you go, who would, who would like try to fake a little, little inch and a half tall plastic figure made in 1985? Well, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds absurd, but then when you find out it's a figure that's worth well over $1,000, then, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, same thing goes for uh, muscle figures as it goes for uh, baseball cards, as it goes for pretty much anything where money is involved. So I guess that's probably part of the benefit of being excited about the lower end things. Nobody's really going to, you know, fake a 1989 Topps Wade Boggs, right? <laughs> and so, uh, unless they try to fake it and make it look like a... Uh, one of one buyback or something, I guess that could be possible. But anyway, there's uh, in any event, there's uh, so much joy that can be derived from cards that are really not worth much. And, uh, you know, shoot, I mean, there's people that make art pieces by cutting up these uh, these cards and everything because they're not really worth a whole lot. And, you know, the, the supply is very uh, plentiful out there. So uh, you can do a lot of different things with these cards and, um, you could collect them, try to put together a nice little run of your favorite player or players. Like, and that's another thing. If you're if you're going in by sheer uh, nostalgia, there's probably going to be a lot of cards that you find that aren't really going to be worth a whole lot. Uh, which means that uh, you can recapture you, your youth on a, on a budget, and you could also put together some fun playing career cards. Um, 
of guys that, you know, I've retired from, you know, like the mid-90s or something, you know, uh, pretty, uh, pretty easily. So you could probably do a nice little base run of Jim Abbott or Wade Boggs or Mike Greenwell or Ellis Burks or Kevin Mitchell, um, you know, and, you know, really not break the bank, which is kind of fun. You'd be able to have a nice little, little library. And I, I know for me personally, I've got a little binder that I'm working on that's not a, you know, it's not something I put a whole lot of time into, but when cards come my way and they mean something to me, then, uh, you know, I put them in there. So for instance, like a, uh, a seven Fleer Kevin Mitchell or, uh, uh, you know, 84 Donner's Dale Strawberry or 91 score Todd Van Poppel, uh, <laughs> all those I have tremendous nostalgic feelings about and really, really, really love all those cards. And so, uh, I love being able to put those aside in the, um, in this little binder. They don't really, probably won't really do a whole lot for a whole lot of other people, but for me, they just hit certain notes, uh, because of certain memories I have. So, um, anyways, I guess it's kind of fun to, uh, you know, really just kind of indulge in the lower end for a while. And, and, you know, if, especially if you're feeling, I think this, this podcast episode is probably good for people that have been feeling the squeeze of the economy right now, because there's a lot of, obviously you hear a lot of people saying, you know, that the hobby is kind of going down. Um, but I think probably more concerning for a lot of people out there is the fact that, you know, the dollar just doesn't go that as far anymore. Like everything's going up in value, like as far as necessities go. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of hard, especially when you're trying to stay in this hobby that can seem, uh, can, really, if you let it, it will consume your finances 110%, very easily, just like that. <laughs> you know, you could easily go on eBay, fall in love, and dump your entire savings into what's out there. And so you obviously have to uh, practice some restraint, but if you confine yourself to childhood nostalgia, even if for a season in your life, you know, and really just get back to the basics and love what you, uh, what you loved before, I think you'll find a lot of joy in that. And uh, it's kind of fun. It brings it back to uh, not having any stress because it's not stressful, uh, for most at least, to spend a dollar on, uh, I don't know, like a 1990 score rookie and traded Frank Thomas. And that card is like unbelievably awesome in my opinion. So anyways. Those are just some thoughts for the night. And uh, yeah, feel free to share your thoughts with me at tanmanbaseballfan.gmail.com. And uh, as always, guys, thanks for listening. Hope you all have a great night.